listening to the Empower Hair Fitness Podcast. I'm your host Aoife and this is episode number 36 and in today's episode I am joined by Ashley O'Kelly who is an Irish nutritional therapist, naturopath and a herbal medicine practitioner in training. She's the owner of AOK Nutrition and is an expert in the area of women's health and fertility. So you'll get to hear a contrast of accents today because obviously I'm originally Irish but I've lived in Australia for eight years now so I have a bit of a toned down Irish accent and Ashling is obviously Irish so we'll see how much more Irish I sound and I'm chatting to another Irish person and for all of you that are not Irish there might be a few terms you use here and there that you may be a little bit confused by but hopefully everything um, flows and you can still understand the conversation. I'm honestly so excited for you girls to listen to this one because the more I study human nutrition in my master's the more I realize how much our hormones impact everything in our bodies and how big a role nutrition can have in helping with all of this too. And honestly, I feel like we just don't learn enough about periods and hormones growing up. So it's going to be really eye-opening and really informative for you all. Uh, In the episode, we discuss the menstrual cycle, hormone health, PMS, irregular periods, loss of period, PCOS, the contraceptive pill and what foods and supplements you might want to focus on when coming off the pill to enhance health. So it is super, super informative and I know you guys will take so much value away from it. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to remind you to hit that subscribe button if you're new or if you haven't already, because each week I'll be bringing out a new episode that simplifies nutrition and fitness so that you can look your best while eating more, because we all love food, so why shouldn't you eat more, training smarter, and ultimately understanding nutrition so that you can experience food freedom as well and never try another fad diet again, because I'm all about teaching you about nutrition so you don't have to resort to any of those fads because they do not work long term and I could go into more and more on that but that's for more episodes. As always if you want to know more about me and my coaching programs you can also head over to my Instagram or visit my website which is www.empowerher.fitness. And now let's get into today's guest interview episode. Welcome to the podcast Ashling. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to chat with you because you have so much knowledge around female hormone health and we're going to get all into that side of things shortly. But I always like to start with a few fun questions. So um, my first question for you is, what's your morning routine like? Because it's morning for you at the moment anyway, it's nighttime for me here. It is. It's 9am here while we're recording the podcast. I'd love to say I'm like getting up at 5am and I'm meditating and I'm journaling and reading my book and things like that. But I am a self-concessive. I'm a bit of a workaholic, I have to say. So normally I'm up and I'm in the clinic either for like maybe eight in the morning or if I'm not in work, I could up and do a workout. Um, I used to kind of be a bit more relaxed in the morning. Like I remember pre-COVID, I used to get up and read and kind of have this real chill, real zen moment. But my brain is dead by the end of the day. So I'm kind of like, I work better <laughs> getting up early and just starting work and kind of just diving in. So yeah. not, I, I feel like if you're my client, I'd, I'd probably give out to you a little bit with your morning routine, but that, that's me at the moment. Get up and I'm in work in the space of in 40 minutes, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I feel like I'm more productive in the morning. So it's better to just like get in there and get work done. And are you a coffee or a tea person? This is a good question for Ooh, an Irish person because I yeah, feel like we all grew up with tea. Definitely. We, I think there's nothing beats a cup of tea and <laughs> like the chats, you know, that kind of way. And for me, I actually gave up um, 
I went decaf in January from coffee. I'm like, oh my God, the difference I feel is amazing. And I only had one coffee per day. So like even now I have like a decaf coffee in the car, which for like most of it's almost like just placebo effect now. So I'd say, I'd say, I say I'm a tea person. Nothing beats your good cup of tea, you know? Yeah. What, what difference have you noticed since um, giving up caffeine or going decaf? So I didn't realize, I I said kind of like nervous energy. Like I was quite jittery you know again one coffee a day and like I feel like I'm a bit up the walls anyway like I have such a busy day that it was like adding fuel to the fire a little bit that I just felt anxious is probably wrong because I don't really suffer with anxiety but it just more like heightened that like everything seemed a bit more extreme and I was a bit kind of like I, I was doing everything 100 miles an hour like and I really yeah. noticed myself kind of calming down now I, I use like I have a cup of coffee a normal cup of coffee like the odd time if I'm doing a workout or if I'm having an offline sleep and I'm knackered and it's like literally where like if I had to get sit down and get stuff done and it's like a drug oh my god it's amazing the effects of it when you actually don't drink it it actually really really works for you yeah but I'd never ever go back I have to say yeah I, I would never go back to my coffee every morning and I know because I was someone that was one a day but I needed it like I wouldn't even be able to function or focus and work if I didn't have my coffee in the mornings yeah so it's I nice like not to be a slave to it anymore you know yeah that's good yeah I'm like that too but I just love the taste of coffee more so than anything so I love the taste. That's like, yeah yeah it's like your morning ritual so like I have my coffee now decaf don't really notice any difference and I still feel like I'm getting my morning cup in you know yeah yeah that's good might be worth a try <laughs> and last yeah. question then for our um, intro is and um, what is the best book you've read recently best book I've read recently this is also a funny one is so Ashing 2019 would have would have said like reading novels is a waste of time this morning because I was I was like you know if I'm not reading nutrition books I'm I'm not re- I'm wasting my time so this year I've gotten really into actual reading like proper novels and I don't let myself read nutrition books anymore because I'm like you're working all day um I read American Dirt a few weeks ago I don't know if you've heard about that it's basically like mother and child who's trying to flee Mexico it is I can put it down I literally was like glued to it it's absolutely brilliant so American Dirt is a brilliant book um and the other one in terms of oh, because I had that on my shelf. Yeah, it's brilliant. The other one then in terms of kind of more like educational book. I don't know if you've heard of Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing. It's kind of based on like like sex and like long term relationships. And I'm so fascinated about by like human behavior and like sex and desire and that kind of stuff. So it's it's just if you're in a long term relationship or if you feel like just to understand like your partner better and understand just yeah, relations better. It's a brilliant book as well. So Mating in Captivity for kind of getting the knowledge and then like American Dirt for just getting the the, the, the buzz, kind of just to, to engross yeah. yourself in a novel, I'd say. Good recommendations. Awesome. I've heard of both of them and I have American Dirt yeah. on my shelf and I have been meaning to read it for so long. So I might get into that there one you next. Go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Ashling, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and what you do to start with, I guess. Yeah, of course. So my clinic is called AOK Nutrition and I qualified in 2014 as a nutritional therapist. Um, I, I study naturopathy as well, so I call myself a naturopath. At the moment, I'm back to college. I'm training to be um, a herbal medicine practitioner, which is great but it's also full on I didn't realize at the time how much I was biting off you know that kind of way and um, my background as well is so that my mom is actually a herbalist and she's a naturopath she used to be a nurse and she kind of jumped shift and changed careers so she's had um, a naturopathic clinic for the past say 20 years and I used to work there I used to manage it and then I went on to do my own studies and now we merged our business so we we work together so basically our clinic is nutrition and herbal medicine together and I suppose the whole kind of mantra, our whole approach to kind of healing and, and wellness is we always look for the root of people's issues. So it's not about masking conditions and saying, okay, you have floating, but why do you floating? Is it because of this, because of this? We kind of 
you know, go go down to the very, very root of the issue. And then we use a combination of many different things together at the same time. And that's what an osteopath does. So, for example, we might see someone and we give them herbal medicine. I give them probiotics. We give them stress management tools. I might recommend they go get reflexology or massage. We look at nutrition. I might give them vitamins. It's like a whole holistic approach to healing and to wellness, always focusing on the root of the issue basically. <laughs> Which is so important, I think, because so often mm. people will just go to the doctor and get something to mask the symptoms, never really find out what's actually going on and never solve the problem. So it's so important to actually get to the root of the issue and figure out what exactly it is that's causing these problems. Yeah, no, definitely. Asking why is quite important, like, you know, and, and questioning things because it's your body, you have to, you're the only person that's going to look after it. So it's important to, to understand what's happening inside it, I feel. Yeah, yeah. And you work more in the area of women's health and hormone health at the moment? Yeah, I kind of just fell into it. It's funny that like, you know, me six years ago, I was seeing anyone from someone training for a marathon to an older man with high blood pressure to, you know, younger child with skin issues. And I think it's an area that I just became so passionate about because there's so little conversation around it. And so many women are struggling and I, and, and what we do can help so much so you know you kind of feel like when you can help so many people you need to start talking about it so it kind of you know fell into I kind of fell into it naturally but I, I love it so much it's an area I'm so passionate about and I could literally talk about it all day so I always love coming on the podcast to, to chat and to spread knowledge even if there's there's one or two women listening to this today who will you know get some good information from it that um it's an amazing area though to work in it's very rewarding as well yeah and what would you say that the majority of clients that come to you are you know struggling with um pms is very common i'd say that's probably the most of premenstrual tension the symptoms you get before your period and then probably irregular cycles they're probably the two of the most common ones that i would see um i also see a lot of acne um they're three of the most common semi things. Yeah, so regular cycles, PMT and skin issues are probably the main ones. So shall we dig into those ones a little bit today? Yes. Since um, they're common topics. So yeah. let's start with maybe um, PMS and maybe just actually going back before that and start talking a little bit about the cycle and just helping people understand what a normal cycle should look like. Yeah, of course. So like, I always laugh when I think about this, like we did this in, in biology and, you know, secondary school yeah. and <laughs> they just made it so irrelevant. They just didn't speak English and they didn't sit down and go, girls, like this is your body. If you understand this, your life would be so much easier because it's the same process, whether you're 11 and you just got your first period or you're 45 by going to menopause, like your hormones work the same and what influences them work the same. So I find it just bizarre that we're not sat down and it's not drilled into us how your menstrual cycle works. So Basically, let's say we're talking about like a regular 28 day cycle. And just for anyone listening, it's normal to have anything from a 25 to kind of 32 day cycle. That's what you can kind of get away with. But if it's longer than 32 days or shorter than 25 days, you know, you, you probably need to look into that a little bit. So let's say for argument's sake, 28 day cycle. The day before you get your period, I was like, everyone feels absolutely wrecked. You might just feel a bit flat. You might be crying at random ads on TV or want to like, you know, murder your other half for chewing too loud. And you just feel a little bit a little bit off which is which is normal the 24 hours before because all your hormones drop and it's a drop in your hormones then that will cause you to get your period then the next day so those first two weeks so day one is the first day of your cycle first day you get your proper bleed and the first two weeks of your cycle this hormone called estrogen kicks in and I always think about estrogen it's your real like get up and go hormone so it's like your energy your mood your sex drive your motivation and um, you'll feel it yourself like when 
once you get over day one day two of your period your energy does come up and your mood is better and you're kind of going to say right I'm going to sprinkle those wardrobes now I haven't I've been putting that off and you kind of do things that you you know you might not want to do the week before you're also stronger in the gym your appetite is more regulated you're fine you don't get as hangry what I would say and the main thing I always kind of drill into clients about estrogen is it makes things grow so those first two weeks of your cycle imagine it like estrogen is like making your period grow filling up that water balloon okay if we have enough that's no problem if we have too much though imagine that water balloon gets filled too much what's going to happen is you're going to have a very heavy period you're going to get the sore boobs you're going to get the water tension the swelling the sluggishness the constipation just feeling general rubbish before you get your period so that's the first half is your eastern phase then you ovulate and ovulation is when the egg gets released from your ovary you're fertile for 24 hours with the egg but also just a little disclaimer if you like a lot of people again why it's not drilled into us i never know you have six fertile days of the month we can get pregnant only six days as well like I remember being you know early 20s and thinking I can get pregnant any day of the month you know this kind of way so like I'm being freaked you'd have sex in two days for a period and you'd be sweating like you know oh my god get some more. it's so it's just mad that we weren't taught this it's basically just for anyone listening so your egg will live for 24 hours but sperm lives for five days so if you're ovulating around you know day 14 you need to kind of be a bit more careful from from day nine basically but once you ovulate, there's no there's no chance of getting pregnant. Once you definitely know I've ovulated, like you can, you know what I mean? For anyone in, you know, long-term relationships, you don't need protection and that kind of thing. Um, you, once you, 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 you ovulate, you don't need to be worrying the second half of your cycle. So that's a little disclaimer because I feel like that's important to people I don't really know about. So anyway, ovulate. Once you ovulate, you make the most amazing hormone called progesterone. And progesterone works opposite to estrogen in the fact that, first of all, it makes your period lighter. So it's really good for preventing heavy periods. Progesterone is a natural painkiller. So it helps with things like the sore boobs and the cramps and the menstrual migraines and those kind of things. But most importantly, progesterone is a really calming hormone. If you've ever met a woman who's about to give birth, <laughs> genuinely they're like floating around the room, so chill, like that is their progesterone. It's through the roof. Progesterone maintains pregnancy. So we get a little snippet of that before we, you know, in our in our second half of our cycle. So it's meant to be really, really calming, you know, really good for anxiety, really good for mood. I call this like, excuse my language now, but like get your shit together hormone where you're just like, do you know, when you're just in the zone and you're like multitasking. There's so much going on. But you're like, I got this. It's like your mother nature, like just having your, your life under control and just feeling amazing about it. That's your progesterone from my perspective. Now, that's the goal. We want Eastern progesterone to be balanced. and what PMT is a PMT or PMS stands for premenstrual tension or premenstrual syndrome it's the same it doesn't really matter what um what you call it but what this actually is though is um lack of progesterone so we don't have enough of that happy hormone and this could be because of stress stress is going to steal your progesterone or if you could because estrogen which is the other hormone is too high so again whether you're 11 and you just got your first period or you're 45 and you're perimenopausal it's always lack of progesterone that causes these issues. Mm-hmm. Makes so, sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then what can women do if they have very severe PMS symptoms? First of all, you need to address stress. I think everyone is in denial. Some people I say stress and they say, no, no, I'm not stressed at all because they're happy. And then I change the question and go, okay, well, are you busy? Oh my God, yeah, I'm so busy. My life is mad. So, you know, our generation, I hate the word the hustle, but we're real like, you know, do your work, do your job. Do your culture. Yeah, it's constantly. If you're not, if you're not working, what are you doing? If you're not busy, like, 
you're wasting your life kind of thing. So like even, you know, doing your hit workouts and exercise, like that will also be a form of stress in the body or emotional stress. So first thing is definitely address stress and you'll know it yourself. Like I say to clients, your period is like your monthly report card. So it tells you how good or how bad you've been that month. And if you've had a month where it's just been up the walls, let's say you have exams or you've been sick or you've been worried about something, your period will be worse that month because you're after using so much progesterone. So number one is look at stress where you can, you know, improve that in your life. Then there is supplements. Like I'm like, thank God we have supplements because the life we live again is not the life that we're designed to live. So amazing supplements like B vitamins, B complex are brilliant for the second half of your cycle. Um, Magnesium is an amazing supplement. Obviously we use a lot of herbal medicine as well. So there's an amazing herb called Vitex or Agnes Castus, which is really good. Um, And then you need to look at the other half. So, you know, it's all well and good support and stress. But if you're getting excess estrogen into your body, you know, your progesterone will never be able to to, to kind of, um, to, what's I'm looking for? Regulate. Never <laughs> be able to match it. Yeah, it'll never be able to match it, basically. So estrogen comes from certain foods. Cows and milk dairy can be quite um, inflammatory for some people, and that can increase your estrogen levels. Um, processed meat, especially like if you're buying meat that has hormones in it, which is very common these days. People don't realize what's in their meat. And then things called xenoestrogens, which is your environment, which I remember learning this in college and I came home and I was like, oh my God, we're doomed. There's nothing we can do. And I'm sure you're the same. <laughs> yeah. Your Plastics, all of those like, things. Oh my God, everywhere. Like, and I'm someone who self-consessed, loves the glam. Like I love the makeup. I love tan. I'm, you know, that kind of way. So um, it, it's your cosmetics. So things with fragrances, your perfumes, your body butters, your tans, your shampoos, your conditioners. Then things like you said there, like your plastic, especially when you heat plastic up, like, putting your tubeware in the microwave or, you know, heating up your soup or you leave your plastic water bottle in on the car passenger seat and you're drinking it later on. So all of these things are called hormone disruptors. And the way I kind of say they come into the body and your body's kind of freaked. It's like, okay, I don't really know what to do with this. So, you know, I'm just going to make it into estrogen. But it's not the estrogen that kind of makes you happy and horny. It's estrogen that just makes your, you know, periods heavy and your boobs sore. So the last little step here then as well, we need to make sure we're able to get rid of estrogen properly. So we look at detoxification and this is basically liver support and and how often you're pooing. I know this sounds like so graphic, but that's that's the basis of it. Like if you are constipated, if you don't go to the toilet properly, your body cannot get rid of hormones properly. So the first thing I look at with any of my clients, first thing I do when they sit down in my clinic, right, what's good health like? I say, great, good health. It's like you're just like you're bypassing a certain section. That's brilliant. Let's go straight to hormones. If they poor gut health, we pause it and we go, right, we need to fix this first before we take any other steps because the hormones will never be right if you're not supporting gut health and detoxification. Yeah, I think that link between gut health and hormone health is one that a lot of women won't even realise is important. So that's really great that you brought that up and highlighted that for everyone. The next thing I wanted to ask you about, Ashling, was irregular periods, because I know we mentioned that a little at the beginning, but also maybe loss of periods, so hypothalamic amenorrhea. Can you maybe chat with us a little bit about the causes of both of those? Mm-hmm. Um, irregular cycles are quite common. There can be many different reasons for it. Like if someone's coming to me for regular periods, I would require a blood test just because for example, you can have a thing called hypothalamic menorrhea, which is loss of periods. And just to clarify again, you know, people focus so much on your period, but that basically means that you haven't ovulated. You know, you'll only get a period if you've ovulated. So basically, 
the reason we ovulate besides making your own hormones is, is to get pregnant. And if your body feels, oh my God, Aoife is so stressed, there's no way she can barely look after herself at the moment. I'm not going to let her get pregnant. So hypothalamic amenorrhea, for example, is loss of periods due to stress in the body. Your body is freaked, whether you're overtraining or under eating or emotional stress or whatever it is, nutritional deficiencies, and it stops ovulation because it's saying, no, this is not, not going to happen. Yeah. Or you can have something like PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, again, no cycles here, but it's very, very different that what's causing this is too much testosterone and your body's all geared up to ovulate, just about to go, just about to open the door. And all of a sudden say, absolutely not. You've way too much testosterone, not happening, not today. So those two things, for example, are like chalk and cheese. The approach is completely different. Somewhat hypothalamic amenorrhea, I would get them on more calories, really kind of like um, a lot of stress support supplements, stress support foods, whereas PCOS, I might get them on a lower carb diet, I might get them to lose weight depending on the person kind of looking at more things like liver support herbs and herbs support insulin resistance so they're very very different so I think it's quite important to 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 go and get bloods done if you have an irregular cycle and see what the root of the problem is high prolactin can be another one and thyroid issues can also be really really common and then just normal deficiencies being anemic and having low b12 is quite common and people don't really realize that so it's a minefield, definitely. Um, and something, like I said, I work a lot with, but step one is figuring out what, what's exactly gone wrong, basically. Yeah. And I think an important one is for women to understand like the health repercussions of losing your period and hypothalamic amenorrhea, because I think it's so common with um, girls and women these days, you know, to like go really hard with their training or their diet for a period of time and lose their period and think that it's okay for that to happen and think that that's fine and it's not going to have any repercussions, but it can impact your health so much. Like, and you know, a lot of women think, oh, it's okay because like I'm not trying to get pregnant now, but it is going to impact your health in the future and it's even, you know, going to have an impact right now as well. Yeah, no, 100%. I think we need to get rid of that idea that ovulation is for making babies like as I explained there at the start of the podcast all those things your hormones do so if you're not ovulating if you're not getting your period you're not having your libido peak you're not having that real happy chill hormone from progesterone you're not having your get up and go hormone from your estrogen you're just flatlined so not as only going to affect your mood but then these hormones also have really important jobs in the body so for example estrogen is important for things like calcium absorption to affect bone health it's also important for your heart so it's not just, it's so much more than I don't want to get pregnant. Like, so I don't really care. Like your period is your body's way of telling you, yeah, I'm happy what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Like I call it like one of the vital signs of health that if you don't have your period, that is your body's literally standing in the middle of a motorway screaming at you, trying to get your attention. Like it's the most, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the things you, you need to definitely um, look into. And again, it's, it is so hard because I see a lot of clients with hypothalamic amenorrhea and they're these like young girls really fit like they're not drinking every weekend they're not getting those takeaways they're into like you know quote unquote like clean eating and they're working out six days a week and it's just gone to the other end of extreme like maybe they just had a little bit too much weight or even your the misconception here is you know your weight has to be has to be low I've seen people their weight is perfect but they're not eating any carbs and like carbs are, are one of the main fuels for ovulation so you know what I mean that it's like it's it's it's, it's hard sometimes for people to wrap their head around because they're like, but I'm so healthy and I look after myself and I don't go out and I don't do this, but it's just whatever they're doing at the moment is, is too extreme for their body, basically. And I think, and maybe another misconception people have around that then as well is thinking that going on the contraceptive pill is going to help cure that just because it's going to give them like a fake bleed. Yeah. This thing I think a lot of women don't realize. I think they were never sat down being like, right, terms, conditions, do you 
like say back to me now how it works that's that's tell me the side effects you know as if we're actually little kids so contraceptives um work with special hormonal contraceptives they work by stopping ovulation so and then they induce a fake bleed so I call this a pill bleed and the reason why you even get this pill bleed is that you know hormonal contraceptives they have synthetic estrogen in it I remember at the start I said estrogen makes things grow so even this synthetic estrogen will technically make your uterine lining thicken but it's not a period it's not your own body making your hormones prepare, prepare for ovulation so the misconception is I see so many people that come to me and they say oh yeah I used to have irregular cycles but I went in the pill and now they're fine and I'm like no you used to have irregular cycles and then you went in the pill and you stopped yourself ovulating and you haven't ovulated since or you haven't had a period since so it is important to, to understand that a lot of the time you know, when I come off the pill then or come off contraceptives and the, the issue is still there, they haven't actually addressed it. So if you're listening and you're someone who's literally jaws on the ground, you'd be like, oh my God, I did not realize that was a real period. And it's so common. You've no idea how common it is. And it's not like, you know, to make you look stupid or anything like that. I feel like it's just not, you know, drilled into us at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely go back again and, and maybe look into seeing if you can address it this time around, you know, without going onto the pill basically. Yeah. And I guess um, an important thing to understand as well is if you've gone on the pill like at a really young age, then you've never really had like a proper cycle as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And again, like I see so many young girls and they think they've low sex drive and they're really anxious and their gut health's all over the place. Like the pill does affect these things. So like some people come to me and they, they come off the pill and they're 29. They're like, I'm not anxious anymore. Like I thought I was an anxious person, but actually this pill is masking my own emotions because again, you're just flatlined. If you go onto my Instagram, whoever's listening later on, I have a few infographics like showing the difference in the graphs between being on the pill and being on having your normal cycle. And it's just fascinating the difference. Like literally just think of like a flat line, like, mm-hmm. you know, that that's exactly what's like in the pill. So a lot of these problems going on, it's so young is some people don't know their own personality. And I know it sounds so dramatic, but it's true though, because you might think you're a certain way, but it's because these synthetic drugs are influencing how you're feeling and masking how you should be feeling. Yeah. I think a lot of women are coming becoming more aware of the side effects of the pill nowadays. And a lot of people are starting to understand that it may not be the best thing to be on long term. Can you tell us a bit more about what women can expect when they come off the pill? Like what sort of changes in hormones and so on can they expect then? But if I had a, a euro for every time I got asked this question, like how long will I get my period back? What should I expect? It's so different for anybody. And this is the problem. So like if you just went to the pill because you don't want to get pregnant and your periods were always regular, you never PMT, you just literally went onto it. Chances are you're going to come off the pill and you'll probably get your period back pretty quickly because you never had any underlying issues before that. But if you were someone, again, putting the pill to regulate their cycle, you know, inverted commas, or you're putting the pill for acne and you're saying, oh my God, the pill fixed my skin, it's gorgeous now. Like you might have to address these issues when you come off it. So can I say to clients is prepare three months before my clients, I get them on B vitamins, I get them on zinc and I get them on probiotics because those three things are depleted when you're on the pill and go and get a little more sciencey in your nose. So basically our, our very follicles, so like our eggs and our ovaries, they take about three months to fully develop. And when then they get released to ovulation, when they're fully formed eggs, they get released to ovulation, the healthier eggs they are, the more progesterone they make for us, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you come off the pill, your eggs are going to be deficient because again, the pill is after depleting important minerals and your period might come back, say two months later, but you're probably not going to have very healthy periods because your eggs haven't been that healthy because of being on the pill. Does that make sense? So that's yeah. why I kind of get clients on it minimum three months before. 
And then it's kind of just a waiting game. Like, you know, I would say if you haven't had a period within about six months, I would definitely go and get blood tests done, get all your hormones checked. That will determine why I wait at least six months before I'm looking for bloods. So it's kind of an annoying answer, but it's a real just waiting game and kind of, you know, prep in advance, get on supplements, start looking at stress now, like, you know, start understanding what will give you PMT when your cycles are back regular and implement it now into your lifestyle that again, what my big thing I get into to my clients is they say like, it's not a 12 week transformation program. I don't take away the wine. I don't take away the takeaways and take away the chocolate because it's not practical. You were going to have a period for the next 20 years. So you have to learn how to implement this in long-term, you know, the way, and it's like things that you should be doing rather than what you shouldn't be doing. So yeah, does that, does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And then um, for women that have gone on the pill to combat acne when they were younger, what would you look at in those cases then? So they come off the pill and next thing they've got like acne, like they were in their teens again, you know, what can they be doing then to help with that? This is quite common if you're on, I'm not sure the ones in, in Oz, but I know like Dianette, I think the one in, in over there is called Brenda. Have you heard one called Brenda? Yeah. yeah. Uh, contraceptive. So like Dianette, Yaz, Yasmanel, I think Brenda is one that you guys have. And these are amazing for skin because what they do is they reduce testosterone, which is that male hormone. I always think about like, you know, coming back to school after like third year off and you come in fourth year and all the lads are real spotty, like the testosterone kind of kick in and go through puberty, right? So excess testosterone can cause acne and the pill reduces testosterone. It reduces oil production of the skin as well. But when you come off the pill, um, what you can happen is you get this post-pill kickback. It's normally about six months post-pill and testosterone might surge, oil production gets worse and your skin will flare up. And sometimes it's like, you kind of have to ride the wave. It's like, it will get to its worst about six months and might flare up for about six months. And then once you get to the 12 month mark off the pill, it will calm down. So sometimes women, like I'm like, you just have to get through because if you go back on the pill again, you know, six months in, which so many people do, you're back to square one. Then it's like, you have to go, you know, through that again. So basically I always look at testosterone first, especially for that really cystic under the skin, red inflamed acne. Um, and while it might be post-pill, you know, causing a lot of this, let's look at what other things will increase testosterone levels. So a lot of sugar in the diet will increase testosterone. There's a link between insulin and testosterone levels. So, you know, I get them even basic things like, you know, brown carbs instead of white carbs. Or maybe have even some meals with no carbs, like a big omelet for breakfast or a big salad for lunch. Like when you don't eat any carbs, you don't trigger any insulin. So that's kind of step one. Step two, then I look at cow's milk dairy as well for this. And I've mentioned that twice. I'm not bashing milk, but definitely there's a link between cow's milk and excess testosterone as well. So we'd look at that and maybe put people onto goat's milk or sheep's milk yogurts or buffalo mozzarella. Or, you know, there's other alternatives not going vegan. It's just looking for other cow- or other dairy that isn't cow's milk based. Um, your zinc here is absolutely key. So it's such a catch-22 because the pill reduces zinc absorption. And zinc is one of the key minerals, number one, to lower testosterone levels and number two, to help with oil production. So I think about this, like your body is standing there watching your house burn down and it's no water to put it out. It really wants to help, but you have, you've, you've taken away the ammo for that. So your zinc is absolutely key to be on coming off um, the pill if you've kind of suffered acne in the past. And then the other thing is getting your leafy greens in. So I mentioned at the start talking about like detoxification and how your body breaks in hormones. So this compound called DIM, I don't know if you've ever heard of DIM before, but all it is, it's just the extract found in leafy green veg. And it's in kind of your um, cruciferous vegetables. So stuff like your broccoli and your kale and your cauliflower and your Brussels sprouts. And I always describe it as like the bus that comes along and picks up bad hormones. So if you eat broccoli twice a week, your bus comes twice a week. 
you know, that kind of way. So I get my client to have, you know, rocket with their eggs in the morning, maybe green smoothie during the day, plus their broccoli, plus their pak choy with dinner, plus their cabbage next day. And it's just being aware of how much you're coming in that if you're not eating your greens, it makes it really hard to break down these hormones. So that's going to, again, the short version of it. But they, those few little tips is what I would do with my clients definitely coming off the pill for skin. Very good. Really good tips there. Thanks, Ashley. Um, a question that came into my head then um, talking about that, because we've been talking about the pill, how it's not great to be on long term. Um, say if somebody then was coming off the pill and looking into other methods of contraception that are maybe not as bad for their hormones, what would you recommend? Um. So you could have the copper coil. The copper coil is non-hormonal. It just works because the copper stops sperm getting very far, is what I would always say. But you still ovulate. You still get a period every single month. Um, disclaimer with the copper coil is copper and zinc do compete for absorption. So if you're on the copper coil, you need to supplement with zinc. And then extra disclaimer on top of that, that zinc and iron compete for absorption. So if you're like vegan or you know, vegetarian, you don't have much red meat in your diet, or if you're prone to being anemic, I just say on top of it, it's not like you, know, you can't take the zinc, but just, you know, make sure your iron levels are okay. Um, and then we have like, you know, you can track your cycle. This is another one of that. I think that again, why it's not drilled into us when we're younger to help us understand like what I mentioned at the start, there's six days of the month you can get pregnant. That is it, six days. So if you know your cycle, if you know, okay, I'm ovulating a few days and you can do this by, um, there's amazing um, contraceptive, products that it's called natural cycles i've heard natural cycles before i've heard of it in um i i know a few irish girls listen to this so you can explain it for for the irish ones i don't think we have it over yeah. here um but yeah interested to hear yeah. more about that one there's loads of different types there's loads of different types of the same thing basically what natural cycles is it's a, it's a basal thermometer and our body temperature changes before we ovulate or around ovulation so it's a way of us tracking our ovulation due to with our body temperature you take your temperature every single morning you, you log into an app on your phone and this isn't just like you know, like the apps you download to track your period. Like this is like science. This has gone to like FDA testing. It's not like just someone being like, oh, it's going to work. If you trust the app, it will work kind of thing. So I find natural cycles absolutely brilliant. Um, and you just have to trust the science. Like again, people, if you've been on the pill 15 years, <clears throat> they're terrified then to have sex on day 23 of their cycle, even though there's no chance. I'm like, you might as well go and have sex with a lamppost. That's how, that's how likely you are to get pregnant. Like it's just not possible. So I think just it's more again lack of education women trusting how their bodies work trusting the science so the copper coil natural cycles they're the, probably two of the best ones like I find it hard then to re- re- recommend other hormonal contraceptives and there's not that other ones obviously you can use condoms like but this is it. it's 2021 like how do we not have better options like it's yeah. just or like a male contraceptive don't even get me started on that like I know, you know right <laughs> you can a man a contraceptive just to kill sperm, it wouldn't even switch off. Like, imagine, I always say, like, imagine you gave a lot of pill and was like, right, you have to take this every single day. If you forget now, you know, we're going to get pregnant. Also, it might give you, um, you know, bloating. You might feel a bit low and it might cry randomly. It might kill your sex drive. Like, they'd be like, are you messing? Like, there's no way I'm going to take that. Yeah. And yet women happy, like, yeah, no problem. And we take it for 10 years. Like, are we mad? Do you know that way? So it's frustrating that these are the only options, really. But copper coil and look into natural cycles I have a highlight saved on my Instagram called natural cycles um if you want to have a little look and yeah get a look into it more awesome so much information Ashling. thank you so much before you go and um, can you tell the listeners uh, where they can find you on Instagram your website and so on yeah of course so I'm AOK Nutrition on Instagram and my um my website is just aoknutrition.com then as well 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. It's been amazing and so interesting. Thank you so much for having me. I love how I feel like we could chat all day. So thank you so much for having me on. Well, there you have it, guys. Did you learn something new? I hope you did. Ashling explains it all so well. I'm sure you took as much away from this episode as I did. In fact, we were chatting about doing another episode in the future, perhaps something like Q&A style, if this episode proves to be a hit. So if you'd be keen for that and to hear more from Ashling, all you need to do is send this episode to as many women as possible who you think would be interested in learning a bit more about periods and the pill and share it perhaps to your Instagram story. Give us a tag. You can tag me at Actively Aoife. You can tag Ashling at AOK Nutrition. We would love to see that you're loving this episode and see what you've learned from it. So tag as much as possible, share it with as many people as possible and spread the word about hormone health for females because I think it is an underrated topic that people need to learn so much more about. And that's it for this week. So I will speak to you guys in next week's episode. (laughs) 